Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to check out The Burnham Project on Substack. You can get Burnham Podcasts. You can read my blogs and all sorts of cool stuff. It can even be sent right into your inbox. You can also watch us on Rumble and YouTube. We like Rumble better, but you can also watch us on YouTube. You can also find Burnham Podcast anywhere that you find your favorite podcast. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, click the little bells, the Rumble button, whatever the service has to offer. Click it, do that, follow us, tell people about us. Thank you very much. Burnham Podcast has a new advertising partner. Introducing DoggyBagTreats.com. Tail wagon delights for your furry friends. They've got all types of collars and leashes. They've got all natural treats. Things like minnows, chicken hearts, freeze-dried beef lung. That may not sound good to you, but your dog's going to love it. They've got all natural baked goods. Things for fresh bread. They've got peanut butter, banana oat, pumpkin, cheddar bacon, and other assorted treats. They've got pet care items like paw fume, oat soap, and paw balm. You can also make wholesale orders. Burnham Podcast listeners can get a discount by entering the code BURNHAM01 at checkout. Now, back to the show. So we can all think of that one teacher that had a significant impact on our lives. They, they got to know us, they invested in our character, and they helped mold us and shape us into who we are today. There's a lot of those people running around in Northwest Georgia because they benefited from their time in class with Jacob Travis. That's who we're talking to in this episode. Welcome to Burnham Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Burnham. But here we are, as promised, the Jacob Travis, mm-hmm. the uh, famous and talented and best looking among the Travis men. We talked about that earlier. Not much today. of a competition. I mean, somebody's got to do it, though, right? Yep. I mean, Josh might hear this. you got to stand up for yourself. <laughs> this is your exact, chance. <laughs> we look exactly the same the older <laughs> right. we get. The older you get, you look more like your dad. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, though. Milt's a solid guy. It's okay to look like him. Yeah, well, we'll take it. Yeah. Plus, we don't have another choice, do we? I guess not. It's kind of how it works. Maybe, maybe a big bushy beard and a hat all the time. <laughs> I don't know. That's the only option I have is right. growing a beard out. Yeah, yeah. But who who are you? Why do people know you? The people that do know you. Well, I mean, you got to. I'm a, I'm a high school basketball coach. Is that okay, what you're looking that's for? That's what we're going for. Yeah, it? yeah, so yeah. I tell people that in Sunday school class, and they just, yeah, we know, we know you're a coach. So hard to not be a coach. Like you, you get a new first name when you become a coach, right? So people, when you're trying to remember their names, you know, they have an advantage. They just say, "Hey, coach." Hey, coach. And, I remember uh, driving your basketball team to North Georgia for camp there, and you and your dad and your brother were hanging out at the score table there in the, the convocation center, and I was with – what's the guy's name that was the head coach at the time? Chris Faulkner. I'm sitting yeah. next to him, and I was like, hey, watch this. And I go, hey, Coach Travis. And all three <laughs> of you goons turned around at the same time. I'm like, well, <laughs> we used to say it's like, you know, being in the mafia, people in the family would say if we went to the beach, which we went back this summer for the first time, in years, they would say, uh, what are y'all talking about out there? You know, you get, you get down the water a few feet, and then you start talking about basketball and all the things that go Cutting with basketball. Cutting off the baseline and the one three one. Yeah, yeah, but if you did it this way, if you stayed out on the shooter in the corner, it could change, you know, backside rotation. And all of a sudden, we've lost everybody else, right? So th- this is a real thing that happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But like today, if I called Dad, if he called me, yeah, it happens. So, Yeah. I don't know what other people talk about. Well, I mean, <laughs> <No idea. laughs> my brother's the same way, though, Drew. Like, Drew knows – we have to call Drew and be like, hey, 
you check the mileage in your car lately, it might be time to change your oil. He lives in Nebraska, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, football. How do we how do we stop the you know, this team from returning kickoffs on us? And yeah, yeah we have limited coaches. Definitely have a limited. Uh, now you'll meet some guys that have some other skill sets. Yeah, we all kind of have probably things we really like. But right. I've been told more than once I need to get a hobby, and I'm like, well, yeah. time I, for a hobby, right? Yeah, I, mean, I didn't know there was a need for one. No. I mean, football and basketball, I guess baseball to an extent, are oh. essentially year round now, Baseball's right? Year round, yeah, yeah. It is sure. what it is. Mm-hmm. But you're this is the life, right? Was there was there ever going to be anything else as Milt Travis's son? Were you ever going to do anything else? Oh yeah, I mean, even to my senior year of college, my wife was there. We were engaged. I was applying to seminary and going to be in ministry and interned at one point with a youth minister. And uh, I even interviewed for a job before my senior year, thinking I wasn't coaching. Right. So yeah, thought I thought I wasn't coaching, but I don't think ministers put people on the line. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we don't do a whole lot of that anymore anyway, but coaching was something I was supposed to do. Yeah. Didn't know it at the time. You yeah. kind of you fight it, for you, sure. You do, you do. But there are people, though, that and I, I've said this about a, a very few people in my life, that there are people who are really good at what they do, or even great, and then there are others who were born for it. Mm-hmm. I think you probably fall into that category. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and give you a compliment and make it awkward. Thank you, I appreciate seven it. Seven minutes into the I episode. know for sure I was born. Yeah. 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 But, but you know, coaching's a funny profession. I think most guys who coach at the high school level, probably even some middle school guys, it's about once a year, sometimes once a day, you can look at your spouse and say, This is it. This is the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's wisdom on that one was you never make a decision in the middle of a season. Yeah. You know, because seasons are funny. You want it to end. Yeah. Even if you're winning, you're making a deep run, you know, you can't keep up that pace as right. a person living like a. Go to bed at nine, ten, um, and then you're waking up at six. You're, mm-hmm. It's on your mind when you fall asleep. It's on your mind when you wake up. It's yeah. uh, it's pretty intense. So you know you can't fit. I don't know how guys at the high level in college do it. I think the good ones probably find a way. Well, they've to, only got a coach, though, right? Like you have to teach a class. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You only you only work as a pastor on Sunday. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. No, they're they're wide open to a point that teaching class is almost a way for me to. To have something else, yeah. You know, history, right, is is one of my hobbies. It's one of the things yeah. I love. So that's cool, though. I mean, it works out well that you're a history teacher on top of being a basketball. It does coach. work out well. But it's I don't know it's something you do all the time. Something that is who you are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think a lot of people don't understand. And you, you would never be allowed to say this. So you're welcome. You'll get fired, right? If mm-hmm. things don't go well. If you're a have a you know a, a couple of unsuccessful basketball seasons. You get fired from your job as a history teacher. <laughs> you know, I don't know in what universe that's fair, but but that's coaching. It's comical too. There's no severance pay in a high school basketball what? coaching. I always get tickled by the uh, they they fire a basketball coach, and I've known a lot of friends. And there's two kinds of coaches: those who have been fired and those who haven't been fired. I said that yet. at my brother's wedding. It is at the speech. It's <laughs> a, it's a reality, and I'm one of the few lucky guys that hasn't been fired yet. Yet. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you feel like when you leave other jobs, that wasn't a firing, but that was basically similar. Right. Yeah. I felt that way before uh, that I needed to improve. But yeah, uh, the point is being a coach is a continual growth thing. And then sometimes they just, uh, sometimes they just decide you're not the right fit. Yeah. I've seen really good coaches in the last few years be told that they weren't supposed to be coaching at that school by administration from pressure from parents. And I don't think, to be fair to administrator, I mean, administrators today, I don't think that's going to stop. 
Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. The ability to call on the telephone and get in the ear of a principal or a yeah. board member, and that's everywhere. It's a hard, those are hard jobs. Yeah. So let me say no, that. that's tough. But it's, you know, it, it, if it makes you feel any better, it's not just you, it's the baseball coach too, you know. And, yeah. and little Johnny doesn't get to play. It's got to be the coach's fault because little Johnny's an all-star or yeah. not, you know. And then you, you go, well, you, I can put little Johnny in the game or we can win. Like, which one would you, you – know? <laughs> that's, that's the, the dichotomy, though, of coaching. Yeah, and then the hardest thing to do is to make sure all of the guys on your team have a voice and they have a crucial role to play. That's the hardest part of coaching. This is what separates you from all the rest of these meatheads. Is that you say stuff like, go ahead, I'm sorry I interrupted you. That's something you. I said. It's not something I always pull off. Okay. You know, because yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter how many times you say that. I mean, some guys are stuck on the bench or some girls are stuck on the bench. Right. And they want to be on the court. And that is a hard spot to be in as a player. Uh, and as a coach, you, you have to explain, I'm glad you want to be out there. Yeah. No, you I wouldn't want to kill them a team that didn't want to be on the floor. Right. And yeah. I have to explain to parents. I'm glad you want your kid out there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, um, that's the reality. And that's, that's politics at its grassroots level. Yeah. What people want versus what's happening for the group. Right. And uh, that's kind of a leadership deal, too. You, you have to lead in those moments. You have to do what's best for everybody else. So, uh, man, I've seen that my whole life in coaching, growing up in a coach's home. Uh, there's no way around it. Yeah. No, it just is And the what worst part is when people call you and berate you and you think – Hey, don't you know I've already thought of this? You might be right. I know. I've already kicked myself for yeah. the same thing. Yeah, I've yeah. never, I've never left a season and thought I, I did that all right. That was perfect. Yeah, it's just not how it works. So yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe God's getting you ready for life after basketball. There's always a pastor job, and and <laughs> what you just said over the last you know minute and a half, you could replace coach with pastor, and it would be the exact same thing, you like know, in so many ways. I think the funny thing about that is it's not funny, ha-ha. It's awkward, ha-ha, because I've, I've got a lot of friends in it. Um, it's a hard job. Yeah. I worry about pastors. Like, I worry about them. Man. How do you keep that job up? Yeah. Uh, because now people are just calling and blaming me, but in the church, I, I don't know why in the church there's so little grace for right. each other. of all it's, places. It's a fascinating thing. Yeah. And then we just straight up blame God in the church. Yeah. God told me that the you know the color of the carpet that that good old fashioned thing the color of the carpet the the temperature in the room yeah that's tough I, I get hit up I haven't since we started this church I haven't when I was a deacon it was the worst the thermostat <laughs> I got more calls about the thermostat in the it was church. too cold in there oh it was too cold or it was too hot and sometimes it was both of those things at the same time from you know different people and music's like, too loud yeah music's been too loud music's yeah. been not loud enough. That guy can't sing. That guy can sing. He should yeah, be singing more. We should get him up there. And I can sing better than okay. But it's I always tell people, you know, when they say, "I want you to do this on your podcast," like, "I want you to start your own podcast," and then, but that's what we've done with the church. Yeah, right. Well, I'll just start my own. That's totally why I started my church. But it's not at all, isn't it? <laughs> I have sneaky suspicion you felt a calling. That's why I started I, well, your church. I did, man. This is not. I never would have done this. I wouldn't have sought this out and been like, you know, it'd be great if I was a pastor one day. But uh, God has better plans than we do. Now, you even you were steadfast in it because I asked you for years, man, go get your teacher hat on. And man, you were working at the school, and you're like, yeah. nope. Yeah. And I thought, well, this guy could be 
a great teacher. He could go, why, why are you not, why are you kind of sitting in a holding pattern, you know? And you were like, nope, this is not what I'm doing forever. Yeah. And I didn't know you what knew. or when. Well, I knew something. I didn't know what or when, but. No, you did it for quite a while. Yeah, I did. I did I'll it for that. longer than I should have, but that's, you know. <laughs> but it wasn't bad. I, I was talking to Jonathan Duvall mm-hmm. about the, do you remember Jonathan Duvall? We had I a, do. Okay. Remember Man. his face and where he sat in the yes. room? Okay. So he's going to listen to this because he knows you're going to be on tonight. Um, I don't remember exactly where he sat, but I remember Jonathan. I don't remember where he's at either, to be honest with you. Jonathan he was Duval. like straight into the door where your desk is like facing. Anyway, um, what did Duval say? Duval says that you're one of his, one of the best teachers he ever had and one of two classes, wouldn't say what the other one was, where he felt safe and comfortable all the time. Really? So, all the time? All the time. He yeah. didn't fall asleep then. Like Hayden did. Uh, no, no, Duval stayed awake because he wanted to hear what you were going to say next. He thought he, <laughs> it was fun. He enjoyed, you know, history and the yeah. conversation that you had in class, and all that good stuff. And it's funny. I don't know what I'm being prepared for either, but you have to. I taught five years of English. Yeah. And never would have done that. I bring that up in class all the time. Yeah. But I know teaching five years of English. Now, I now know that worser is incorrect, <laughs> but when correctly used is incredibly valuable when you're, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, the local vernacular. When you can engage it, you're, you're successful. Yeah. But I learned to write a little bit better. Just in my five years of teaching something, it improved my ability to communicate in some other ways. So yeah. then I've become a history teacher or a coach. You know, a coach and teaching, anything like that's all connected. So it's sort of like, God, what are you doing with me next? But I know what I'm doing now has something to do with it. Yeah. He's training us. Yeah, um, yeah. If we're obedient. But, yeah, there are some days you wonder in the classroom, you know, am I going to get out of these four walls? <laughs> I mean, Stuck here for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's also the place you have the most joy at times too. When I hear students' names, I'm trying to put Hayden today. I'm going, oh my god, mm. man, I've yeah. been a model for a while. So no, but it, it does. It gets you ready for other thing, and that's what I was getting at when I got sidetracked with the Duval thing. It was I was talking to him about. He was asking if I was even still at model, and I was like, oh, I hadn't been there since August of 20. <laughs> and uh, he was like, well, what happened? Whatever. And I was like, well, it just I got uh, to a point where I was kind of like, I knew I was done. Like, that was it. I'm done here. And I remember I quit and went to nothing. I went yeah. to a promise of one day getting the job that I have now. And uh, so I didn't work at all for like a year. And I did other like piddle things, but I didn't have like a job job. I remember. But it was just time. It was there, right? So you know. And then in that time, we started the church. So like, you know, yeah. I look back now and I go, well, that was exactly what was supposed to happen. You know, and it was a good thing I was obedient. Yeah. Right. <laughs> even even after you made that first step and it didn't work like you thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fascinating part, isn't it? Yeah. Because that, that feels like ten years ago to me. And then yeah, it feels it like does. yesterday at the same time. Right, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And the COVID years have de- definitely put uh, a change of routine and pattern have thrown me off. It's been wild. Yes, it right. Has. It's yeah. been I don't know, it was like a there was like a divide in like the time, the history. You know, there was like some, yeah, right. There was it's like no a, longer Colombian, post-Columbian, pre-Columbian. It's now before COVID, COVID. and after COVID. Yeah, you know, people say during the COVID shutdown, and I'm like, man, that was. I thought there was about six of those. Right, it you seemed know, like it. That was a long two weeks. It was. Was it? Was it two months? Two. Was two, it two months? Two years to flatten the curve. Yeah, it was a long, it was. long two months, or whatever. It yeah. Was. No, but it's, yeah, that was a weird divide. But that was, mm-hmm. that presented us the opportunity for me to step away from that job yeah. and do other things that I didn't know that we were going to do. So, you know, it's getting ready all the time. So, you know, keep your, keep your pastor, 
<laughs> card in your pocket there. I don't and, have that uh, card. I'll bring you on as an associate at some point. It'd be it'd be great. That's, uh, that's something I've heard too many times over the years. I go, oh, okay, guys, that's cool. Uh, next next thing, let's go. Yeah, right. Yeah, but you're in. I mean, you're in ministry now. Yeah. You know, even as a, a public school teacher, and we've done episodes recently about homeschool and this and that, and always make sure to let everybody know there are some fantastic teachers in public school, and I didn't leave because I thought Jacob Travis was going to indoctrinate my kids. <laughs> I tried. I, I know I tried. you gave it your best yeah. shot, but it, no, it was. It's a, it's a ministry, and it's important for people like you to still be there. It's an interest. It's an interesting time in America. Um, and I say America, I've only, I'm only in one place in America. Yeah. So let me back up. It's an interesting time. I think for a lot of, a lot of, uh, public school teachers, we hear about the mission field and then we hear about how we should be doing it different in public education. And I'm sure there's some truth to that. Right. And then you know that all of all the public schools in the country, they are all very different <laughs> yeah. inside this region. They're all very different. Yeah. Uh, so when people kind of paint, you know, same thing for private schools or same thing for homeschool situations, um, but the important thing is to be obedient. I, I, I don't know why I'm not on mission, on the mission field at the public high school down the road, but we'll put somebody on stage to say, hey, they're going to China, and yeah. they're on the mission field, and they are. And yeah. no, That's they not are. an option when you're told to go. Right. Um, but we're all on mission all the time. Yeah. And so it's a peculiar place as a Christian to have to kind of remind people nicely. I appreciate you. Uh, I don't know what your motive is to tear it down, but I'm, I'm on mission with you. We're yeah. on the same team here. Yeah. Um, so that means we have to kind of not be as competitive at sometimes with our brothers and sisters on that. So yeah. There's a good book, uh, not not the good book. Uh, there's a good book, uh, but it, it's based on the good book. Uh, good Tim enough. Keller's Every Good Endeavor had a basketball coach at Barry, Mitch Cole, refer it to me years ago. His son was at Model for a while. And uh, it's very deep. If you've ever read anything, Tim Keller, it's yeah. – Man, it's, you got to chew. How have I not read that? I've heard of that one before. Yeah, and I, I, they're they're doing a Wednesday night study at our church, and I'm interested okay. to see how that goes. Another guy in our life group read it with me, and he goes into and it got me kind of my interest peaked because he goes into the idea that we're all every good endeavor, we're all doing the work that we're called to do. Uh, I think about Paul as a tent maker, right? Yeah. In Ephesus, you think about uh, how many guys are bivocational, right? I mean, uh, but we're all called in our jobs to be that person. Jesus came to earth, and instead of being, he's philosopher king, which is a Greek term, yeah. instead of being an emperor in the Roman Empire, he was a carpenter. And so what message does that send to people? You know, yeah. it, it, it'll, it'll, it gets yeah. me kind of tingly. I read, now, that was one of the few things I didn't have to reread six times. All right. <laughs> but Keller stuff is so solid and good, you just think, yeah, oh, my you gosh. Yeah, you need to, yeah. What a great point. And, uh, and coaches have no doubt. We we. We get some instant return. Sometimes we get, yeah. it takes a while. Um, sometimes we have to apologize and say, wish I'd done it better when you were there. Or I wish Man. it had gone different, you know. See, you, you go against so many of these coaching stereotypes where it's just the meathead and I'm right all the time. And even when I realize I'm wrong, I'm never going <laughs> to mention it again so this kid doesn't know I was wrong. Let me say it. I was wrong once. But I found out later I was right. Okay. I was mistaken. <laughs> I think that's a family circle cartoon. My buddy Lance used to Gotta say in class. Right. But I think a, a real coach, a good coach, is always trying to improve. And the only way you improve is you know what's wrong with you. Hmm. So our players recently have given us feedback after the season. Man, it's been some good stuff. We sit down and meet with all of them. And um, sometimes you think the hardest meeting with a kid that didn't get what they wanted, playing time-wise, you think it's going to be just brutal. 
Yeah. And then they sit down and just give you exactly what you need to hear. Yeah. Sometimes it's not easy to hear, but most of the time it is, it is what you need to improve the next group or to, yeah. you know, that doesn't mean you're going to win. Um, but that feedback is awesome. Now awesome. you guys, speaking of postseason and feedback yeah. and all, you guys had a pretty solid season last year, right? We did. Yeah. Final four. First time in school history. Yeah. Is it really? I was wondering how far the, the yeah. boys had gotten before. We had knocked on that door some. Yeah. Even when I was in high school, I, I tried to explain to people, we were closer than we thought. We lost no, you know, we lost maybe by a basket to a team that lost in double overtime in the finals. Mm. Same thing happened to us this year. We lose by 10. We're down one with like four minutes left, and they end up losing in double overtime in the state championship game. Uh, You're always closer than you think. Yeah. Well, and, I mean, you could have easily come in second place then, depending on what your draw was in the bracket. Oh, man. You know? And we could have easily come in 32nd place. Right, yeah. In that same bracket, you yeah. know. So you kind of look at people like, man, don't take that for granted going on a run like that. Yeah. We've had some really, really good teams, a 2016 team, a 2015 team that ended, I think that's the year, with Davey Fisher and V.J. Saxton's group. And we, we – we get the number 12 team ranked in the country in GAC in the second That's round. tough, man. And we'd beaten Calhoun, who finished second in the state. So, yeah. man, you just don't take a, a, a Final Four. It's cool to put it on a T-shirt. Um, and everybody wanted to put it on a T-shirt, not me. I'm like, ah, let's get back to work. <laughs> um, we don't, you know, but you don't talk about a Final Four to get there. You know, you go back to work and you try to improve yeah. the same way. So, um, you just never know. You can't take it for granted. Yeah. You could get bounced out. We, we barely won our region semifinal game in overtime. Man, we lost my senior year at Rome. We lost in the Christmas tournament in the first round to our merchie. I don't know if you remember that or not. I do. We played our merchie the next game. Holy smokes. Did you guys win? I didn't mm -hmm. even go back and watch the rest of the tournament. We that won year. and then lost to Kusa in overtime. Uh, see, I could have just not known that, I guess. Mm -hmm. I was assuming our merchie was awesome and won it all. But there's no way we should have lost to they, him. They were, they were good. Yeah, they were solid. Yeah. They were good. They had great coaching and, you know, all that good stuff. They're the better team. As much as it pains me to ever lose to Basket, our merchie in anything. Basketball's painful. All they got to be is the better team one night. That's it, yeah. And guys who can't make, all of a sudden make. Yeah. We had a game this year. We won by six or seven. And I look back now and realize, you know, one of the teams in our region that is rebuilding, and the coach is doing an excellent job rebuilding. But we missed 31 three-pointers. Oh. We made two. They just sat inside the lane, and we ended up winning by six or seven. And their coach was hilarious. He's like, we still couldn't win. Think about that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's just – but that's a night we couldn't make. They they didn't miss, yeah. and then later on I look back and think we were pretty good if we still won that game. If you still pulled it out, yeah, yeah. But high schoolers, man, high school we're all humans. We go into games where we think we're supposed to win, and that's a it's a hard it's thing. Dangerous, for, right? Very dangerous. Yeah. Most nerve wracking games. The ones that you're supposed to win. Yeah, God, I'm still trying to figure out as a pastor which ones I'm supposed to win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know either, man. But I don't know. It, I enjoyed. My time as a coach, I wouldn't go back to it now. I wouldn't undo it either. Learned a lot, and I, there's a lot of things that yeah. I learned as a coach that, that benefit me now as a pastor. And one of the things my brother made this point: um, your mission field kind of comes to you. Yep. Like you're not, you don't have to go out and you don't ask kids to try out for basketball. I mean, you, you do to some degree, but it's not like, yeah, please come to my school and try. It better not be, please come to my school and try out. But it's, you know, your guys come to you. Your kids show up in your class. Yeah. You know, and they, they do that at church to some degree, but there's a lot of recruiting going on. Oh, yeah. On our end of things. But, yeah, I, th I thought it was cool the point that Drew made. And he was like, your your mission field comes to you. 
and you have them, you know, for three or four years, and they move on, but new ones come in every year. I had a Man, student that's... years ago who is now a teacher, had been in some ministry stuff, and is teaching up in the Chattanooga area. And he, I don't know if he remembers this, <clears throat> but he told me he was part of our program too. He said, I'm going to go speak at a youth group, and we got 30 kids I'm going to be speaking to. And I said, that's funny. How many kids are in your first, second, and third period classes? Oh. He's like, I don't know. Well, do the math and tell me yeah. which group's bigger. Yeah. Which group do you get to impact every single day? So, yeah. And he didn't know what to say about that. I was like, well, you just, you know, it's different. I know. Yeah. Um, but we're on the mission field in school uh, for sure. I think everybody is. Yeah. You should uh, be. Yeah. You, so, you, at the school, at the factory or the road crew or whatever it is, you know, whatever you're doing. Yeah. All the time. That scares people, though, I think. You think, well, I'm not a missionary. Well, like, yeah, yeah, you better be. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you better be sent. Yeah. You know? I know that, that's churchy talk, but that's yeah. the reality. It is, but, I mean, that's, yeah, it, it is reality. That's just, that's the Bible. We're commanded, right? It's the Great Commission. It's not mm-hmm. the Great Recommendation or I wish you would. You Suggestion. Know? Yeah, 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 that's the word I was looking for. Thank you. So, yeah, we, we don't have the option. Bells you know. are not suggestions. Did I use that one on you, Hayden? You're probably on time. Bells are not suggestions? Yeah. I don't don't remember. One of the best things, though, is I was in your class two years, maybe, where I was in your third block. Mm -hmm. I guess we were still on blocks then. But anyway, it was during Mm -hmm. lunch. And you'd be teaching up a storm, man, about the the epic of Gilgamesh or whatever. (laughs) I did that today. And that bell rings, Mm -hmm. and you're gone. And you're every day, 180 times, like they never got used to it, they'd be like, and then they'd get up and run out too. It's <laughs> lunchtime. We gotta go. I still race some kids down the stairs, especially on Thursday. It's Chicken Finger Day. Oh man! So yeah, they don't know what to do with that, do they? No, Chicken Finger Day is. Uh, you might sneak out a couple seconds early on Chicken Finger Day. You know, it, yeah, you gotta you gotta pattern your lessons on Thursday to make sure. <laughs> now they have a silent reading before it, so I can get a head start, or I can I can definitely be primed and ready. Yeah, in my yeah. Watching your watching the hand tick down. <laughs> Three, two. Dip out of there. The school, no, it was it was great. School cafeteria. There's another place where there's a lot of kids and a lot of people to a lot of people to see. So I yeah. go there every day. Yeah. So yeah, hundred hundreds, if not thousands, of people you can impact on a school campus. Well, when you think about how many kids over the course of 22 years now have you been in contact with? Oh, like, can you even imagine thousands? I did the math the other day. You have 180 days of teaching. 190 days total. I have more since I'm a coach in June. Um, but we're talking four classes a day you might teach. You might teach six out of seven or three out of four. Just say you taught for three hours or you taught for two hours. We're, th- we're talking thousands of hours, maybe yeah. 5,000, 10,000 hours. So you not only do you learn to create content and then put it out there to them, you learn how to read a room. You learn yeah. your audience. You learn how to deal with non-disruptive behaviors. You learn how to take distractions and make them part of what keeps everybody, you know. My life is a tangent. Is what yeah, I like to tell people. yeah. <laughs> you know, the tangents are great. If you get them off topic, you don't have to work on that with me. Yeah, I know. You were, you were good at that, though, when, in behavior and absurdities that would happen in class. And, and you would, I don't know, you made such a thing out of it that it became humorous. Yeah. And everybody understood, like, okay, we had our laugh, and it's time to roll back around and get, get serious. If again, you don't right? stop talking, I'm going to tell you to stop talking. I'm going to tell you to stop talking. Right, and if you yeah. do that again, I'll tell you again. You don't believe me? Just just, just find, right, out. find out. You keep trying. 
But a kid takes that and they go, okay, I get it. And it's not, it's not an argument. It's you know? disarming. Right, yeah. They find out, I really don't have any power other than a piece of paper to write them up and send them to the office. Right. They knew that. I knew that. You know? And they had the emotional intelligence to realize he's making a lot of the fact that we're all in this together. Hey, man, just sit down. Don't be that guy. Yeah, well, that's why we're, we're stuck there just like they are, you know, as far as being in the yeah. classroom. And it's not like, you know, uh, there's probably something else. I, I might want to be at home on the PlayStation, too, you know, like <laughs> maybe, just maybe. I'm stuck here with you. Mm-hmm. But stuck is not a good word, I guess. We're stuck in there. That's a good word. Okay. Kids All feel right. it. There are yeah. days. You're in class every day. You, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, I guess especially like February, March, that like that grind stretch in the second yeah. semester. Yeah. Uh, we're in between, or in between Chris, uh, uh, spring break and the end of the year. Like that's the that's the uh, real grind. Praying for a snow day somewhere in February. In April. Yeah, in <laughs> April. It depends on that school calendar too. Yeah, it depends on your classes. Sometimes you just got a class full of knuckleheads, and that is something I've learned to enjoy. Yeah. You know, because when they're all quiet, it's a little bit of a hey, you all are boring. I actually told a classroom that today. Yeah. Y'all are boring. You're boring me to death. Well, that's what you're – you have this thing, right, in, in class where you teach the class as individuals. And I don't know, I'm not even sure if what I'm saying is making sense, but, like, you still identify with every kid in the room. Uh, I've seen you go around the entire room and say something good about every kid in the class, and I'm thinking in a minute – All lies. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I'm thinking in a minute he's going to forget one of his names. So I'm just going to sit back and watch, and you would be like, uh – or forget what you were going to – you know, have nothing good to say about a kid. But you always did. And and you, you you talk to the individual while you're relaying yeah. whatever awesome world history fact you had to put down that day. Yeah. But uh, that's an important tool, man, for teachers or for anybody else. There's a few kids that probably would disagree with that statement. Maybe, maybe. But, I mean, there's always that one guy, you know, that is yeah. just, yeah. And, you know, the Bible talks about as we're spreading the gospel, you get to a point and you – have tried and then you shake the sand the, the dust off your sandals and you don't ever want to think about a kid that way but i mean at the same time you can't sacrifice yeah. the entire class for for one kid or whatever but yeah. the classroom's an organism i think hayden we were talking about that that's every group has a different feel yeah. i can't remember you because you've changed so much but i start putting you in that class i'm like oh yeah like i told you i did that with kids all the time yeah. and it was 11 years ago right 12 years ago almost so I stop and say, or maybe 10 years ago, I stop and say, oh, yeah, and that class had this knucklehead. And yeah, well, that's what you, when, as soon as you figured him out, you were yeah. like, oh, yeah, and this one and that one. And, yeah. Uh, you know, and you that, sat in the back, and she sat by the window. Yeah. And, I think that is a change today, too. Uh, his group, I understood. Like, I understood how they thought, what they wanted. They were closer to us. Yeah. You yeah. Know, they all, all they wanted was to get tropical skittles out of the vending machine <laughs> in the middle of third block. Uh, students today are, uh, they still want the tropical Skittles, but they've changed a lot. The last five years has changed everybody. Yeah. The digital age has sped things up. COVID yeah. sped things up. And that's also part of being a teacher is how do you stay ahead of that? That's why I worry about pastors. Yeah. Because people are expecting, I, I don't know, expecting you to have the right answer on COVID. Are you kidding me? Yeah, right. Was... Yeah, you're supposed, to, you're supposed <laughs> to have seen the pandemic coming. Yeah, I knew all about this. Well, that's, that's where our church came from. Yeah. Right. We we started meeting when nobody else was meeting, and then eventually just became a church. Um, but that wasn't certainly wasn't ideal, and yeah. it wasn't like I've got all the answers. Come here with us. Like we're just doing the best we can. Yeah. You know, I don't have a. 
I guess I've got a lesson plan every Sunday, but there, there was no roadmap for that. <laughs> I get to repeat a lot of lessons, yeah, which right. helps. I don't think that's what y'all get to do. So not not so much. It's all uh, I've got pretty good notes to learn from. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of got to reinvent things. What's fascinating, you're teaching from what I think is the greatest history book uh, of ancient literature, most accurately translated piece of ancient literature of yeah. all time, of course. It's not even a close second. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially the New Testament with the, is it 5,800 or 6,000? Just depends on which preacher's hollering about it. Right. You hear them. Uh, all those manuscripts, you know. A, yeah, a bunch, yeah. Yeah, which I have never read some of those. I've, I've read a couple, just the, the ancient Greek ones, and then the, you know, no, it's tough. But like Sunday, we got into, we were in Matthew 12, and in most English translations, there's verse 46 and there's verse 48. There's just not a 47. Like, hmm. the number's not even in there. Like, you can't ignore the fact there's no 47. So I'm like, well, how am I going to explain this? So I'm digging it up, right, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. It's a, it's a story of how incomplete our language is. Yeah, because they were saying something in the Greek that they couldn't stop saying, and we tried to make it fit into the English, and it just didn't. So we just skipped it <laughs> because our words weren't good enough. But uh, you know. that is interesting. Yeah. yeah, I'm always fascinated by the the language barriers, the question of inerrancy. People will ask me that. You believe it's yeah. inerrant? I'll be like, Yeah, but you're not. Yeah, right. And right. I'm not. Yeah. Um. So we we luckily we've got those things in the Bible, but it's a when you're in a history class, I, I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. That's a cool subject, though. I mean, math. Like, God bless math teachers. But, like, you get to teach what happened yeah. over the course of the world, you know, since the onset. This is I how ask, it was. And ask kids this now, and they, they, they can recite it. How old, is, how old is science? And kids oftentimes go, oh, it's as old as... I'm like, no, no, no. How old is science? I mean, we can go back to ancient Greeks and get ideas, yeah. even some Egyptian stuff, but... You know, we know what the Mesopotamians, you're talking about, we're, we're in that unit right now. Yeah. We know what they, they figured out through observation that the number six was used in the clock. And how old is the actual subject of science? It's only 500 years old. I mean, it's we're going back to Galileo, right? Okay, really? Yeah. Copernicus, as the kids call him. Copernicus. All right, Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> Those paintings are like Lord Farquaad. But they, like, <laughs> you, you, you know that's, that's really where that study started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, uh, I think a great book is uh, the guy who uh, founded Labrie. Uh, how, how then shall we live? How should we then live? Yeah. Um, how should we then live? I, I can't remember his gone. name all of a sudden. Uh, the book is, yeah. I, I cannot chew through it, so I, don't get me wrong. I have it on the shelf, bought it used at McKay's, and I thought I was going to get through it. I have not gotten through it. Yeah. But his idea that we have rushed off into a humanistic world, which we have in sure. the last hundreds of years. Um and so we've kind of taken God out of the picture in a lot of different subject areas. So it's a real challenge if you're a public school teacher doing it right. Yeah. You know, it's not my job to go in and try to proselytize kids and reach those kids and make them offend their parents. Or I don't, <laughs> right. I don't, set, I don't set foot in the school building to do that. Yeah. That's not who I am um, or my purpose in, in, in that moment. But at the same time, if I'm living my life the right way, if I'm plugged in, if I'm abiding, Hopefully there's something different. Hopefully there's something that, that raises questions and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And well, usually you're not combative with the kids who disagree with you. Usually they're more intrigued by that. Yeah. And, yeah. and their respect for you as a religious person and their religion, it's just great conversations. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask how you draw the line between teacher and missionary. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't 
stand up and preach a sermon. Like right. you just, you know, you'll get fired. Yeah. God bless them. Um, but at the same time, there is some of that element. And if you're doing it right, you'll hear people say, well, there's something, Coach Travis is different. There's something, I don't know what it is maybe, but there's something different. And I guess if you're doing things right, that's the kind of the result you get. I have to believe that Jesus gives me the freedom or God gives me the freedom to teach people how to think. Yeah. Right. We, 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 were, we were doing that this weekend at our church, the uh, love the Lord your God with all your, the Shema from Deuteronomy that's repeated by Jesus when the greatest commandment is asked, yeah. the scribe is curious, and he loved the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, in, the Deut- in Deuteronomy, there's no mind. Yeah. It, it's actually said in, in the book of Mark and that, that we talked about that in Life Group yesterday morning. So I think, man, we're not to be people of the faith. We shouldn't be intimidated by subject matter or information or yeah. we should guide young people. Um, but in a public school setting, you've probably heard me say that back in the day. Hey, it's up to your parents to educate you on some of these things. Right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna step into that void because in that moment they're gonna lose trust from me anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're never not on mission, but you're also having to, you're also having to decide. Okay, what can I and can I not say? You get closer to some kids. Some of their families are, are believing families, or yeah. maybe you go to church with them. Um, but my First Amendment rights are not abridged because I'm a teacher. They're not limited. Sure. Um, but you have to do it the right way. Yeah. Be professional. And at the same time, I walk up and down the street as Jacob Travis. I don't have to walk up and down. People are still going to haul a coach at me. <laughs> yeah. Right? But at the same time, I have to know that I, you know, I have a right to believe what I believe. Right. It doesn't have to be a secret. Man. So, that's good stuff. Well, it's, it, it is a it is a... A battle we're in at some level as a as a culture. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, we are also living in the greatest country in the world, and well, and we live in a pretty good spot in the country yeah. for this kind of thing too, because it's really not, you know, it, it, there there's some disagreement as far as our religious beliefs yeah. go, but it's not. We're not seeing like the level of hostility in small town Georgia that they see, I'm sure in a lot of places. No, but there are groups that are searching for it. You know, yeah. they're looking online to, to try to find coaches who are too plugged into FCA. You need, you need to know your, your, your laws there. Yeah. I mean, ultimately the first amendment is about freedom of religion. So I'm yeah. one of those guys that's probably out there a little bit, you know, they used to pray at football games on Friday nights Yeah. and people now are offended. How come you took prayer out of schools? And my question is, when did you quit praying? Well, right. They yeah. didn't, nobody took yeah. prayer out of school. We, we went victim mode on that. Yeah. And I, and I would say it this way. You're, maybe you're living in part of Michigan where we, a lot of our Iraqi uh, refugees are. Yeah. They're not going to pray on a Friday night ball game, are they? Right, yeah. Where it's predominantly Muslim. How would you feel if you were, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, but we have Muslim students, and we have students who are Hindu or other religions, and they're, you know what, they're always very respectful because we're respectful of them. Yeah. I don't. I always think that Jesus was offensive at some level, but mainly I noticed it's when he went to the temple, <laughs> right? He offended the people of yeah. his own kind the yeah. most. So um, that, that you know, that's interesting. Well, people are going to find their own offense when you tell somebody their religion's wrong and they're probably going to hell because of it. You know, yeah. like that, that's offensive, and that's offensive enough. Even if we feel like it comes from a place of love. Like, I love you enough to tell you that you'll go to hell without Jesus. Well, like, okay. They'll be offended. <laughs> There's no reason to just be a jerk. No. You know, that, that'll, the offense will take care of itself. Well, at that point, it needs to be said. And I have friends who are Christians, and we disagree on some issues mm-hmm. that are pivotal and political now. And um, I ultimately, what I say to them is, it doesn't matter what I think. 
Oh. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what we think. Yeah. Um, it matters what we believe about what the Bible says. Yeah. And do we believe? This is the cliche. I'm a coach. You know, I love cliches. Do it. Put it on a shirt. Uh, I don't believe it's in the Bible. I don't believe it's true because it's in the Bible. I believe it's in the Bible because it's true. Right? There you go. Yeah. And so kind of unpacking that belief system goes along with, is Jesus who he says he is in history? Right. And and all those things kind of lead me back to that. I think we're going full circle here. Let's I, do it. Yeah. I talk in circles. Uh, leads me back to the reality that uh, I, I'm, I'm supposed to rest in him on all these things. I'm supposed to be obedient to him. And most of the time when I'm most concerned about politics, which is, I hate to break it to everybody, that's most people's religion now. Um, it is, uh, yeah. yeah, Karl Marx, opiate for the masses. Oh, man. Uh, now, we, you know, religion's opiate for the masses. It tends to be politics for people now. Yeah. And they bank their, their happiness in life on who wins, and it's like, Look, guys, Georgia won two national championships. All right, is that not good enough for y'all? I'm not, Braves I'm not, got one a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, right? I, I, I'm not a Georgia fan, but I'm looking around thinking there needs to be more national championship talk. Oh, man. But we've treated politics like that, zero-sum game, and then mm-hmm. we've treated it like a religion. Um, and I'm speaking from a place of a guy who's a high school basketball coach. Winning is an idol if you're not careful. Uh, for 100%. You yeah. put all those things in front of God. You do it on a daily basis sometimes. and. Um, we just we need to be plugging in to him, and that is where I am often the weakest. Yeah, yeah. I would rather know stuff about God and then get to know God better because ah, that's tough. Well, you get to know God though. Like I got to change as I'm getting to know <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. I don't get to do the things that I used to want to do, and well, it's not fun. Yeah, I don't I don't like that either. But I mean, but we have to. Right? Yes. Or because there's no there's no neutrality in this. There's no middle ground. You can't be like, well, I'm I go on Christmas and Easter, right? And that's yeah. enough. But it's all right. Yeah, the idea is all you uh, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So that is a very passionate moment where you stop and say, okay, yeah, like that is that is who I've got to be uh, all the time. Yeah. Well, that's the hard part, and I, I got to tell some new believers this not long ago. They got baptized, and of course, you get baptized now, and it's on Facebook, and it's everywhere, and everybody knows. I'm like, man, you can't go back now. Or all those things that people have been saying about you since you said, hey, I got saved, I'm getting baptized in a couple of weeks. All the things they said about you were going to be true when they said, oh, he's, he's putting on a show. He's not, you know, that, that ain't real. He's doing that for his girlfriend or for whatever. You know, but once you've gone and been baptized and made it all public and lived that life for any period of time you can't back up no you got to continue to live that life and that's tough that's the hard part it's dying to self every day i think we can get real busy uh i think in america we do that a lot we get real busy i don't like i said i've never lived in another country but from what i hear you know we're busy 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 Mm mm-hmm uh, it was said to me a couple of years ago, you can't just live an existential life. At some point, you've got you've to get past all that that, and go deeper into who yeah. we are and the, the inner being, as it says in Ephesians. So I think, um, I think that's a real challenge is how do we consistently remember that we're living the kingdom. Yeah. Like we're living it now. Someday, the, it, curtain, right? someday oh. the curtain will be torn back and we'll yeah. all understand. But, um, man, if you think that way, it's pretty intimidating how much how much freedom I should have to live my life the right way. So, right? Yeah. To live it the right way, of course. Yeah. No. It's, <laughs> yeah, I said that. Yeah. I'm not always successful at that. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, it's a struggle. But as long as we're in this 
meat vehicle it's going to be. You know, <laughs> meat is, that a, is that a new one for you? Yeah, what does Pyle call it? A meat sack? Is that what he says? I think so. Yeah, okay. It's a meat, meat sack. sack, meat vehicle. I've meat heard people say stuff machine. like that, but yeah. meat vehicle, meat sack. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling good about myself about right now. Yeah. I know you couldn't tell based on like how sore your knees might be right now or whatever, but like this thing is not perfect that we live in. Yeah, and, I'm uh, well aware of it. <laughs> but it's the fight, you know, and it's it's till the day we die. Mm-hmm. I think that I make the Billy Graham reference last week about when he was not being tempted anymore. So, so we'll do it again because there's people. Anyway, so Billy Graham, somebody asked him one time, when do you stop being tempted to look at the girl that walks by on the sidewalk or, or with whatever? And he was like, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Billy Graham's 95, you know, and he's like, oh, we'll see. One day, maybe. Hmm. But it's an ongoing thing, even if you're Billy Graham. Yeah. It just never stops. Me but too. It's, yeah, right. But if it was easy, you know, it wouldn't mean anything, right? I mean, you think about being a, a coach. If you could, if you just turn your dogs loose every Tuesday and Friday nights, and they just ran up 120 points, like that's easy. What fun is that? If you just won all the time, a lot of fun, actually, Danny. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how you want me to respond to that. that I, was, was, I, I think just, that sounds like a lot of fun. I don't know any coaches that are oh, that disappointed man. to hear that. Have you never played a Madden game or an oh, NCAA 2K to game? Just <laughs> dominate. I don't know. Drew Drew mentioned that he you know he coached at Hutchinson out in Kansas. Oh yeah, and they they played in that spring league during the the COVID yeah. year, and they ran the table and didn't have a competitive ball game all season long. And I was like, "Well, was that still fun?" And he was like, "We won a national championship. <laughs> it's a whole lot. <laughs> it fun. was awesome. It was fun." I'm sure it gets less fun, and we're 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 we've won a good bit in the last you know 11 years. Not every year, yeah, um, but. But almost, and and every year it seems like the the pressure to compete again, to win, and you know it's that old uh, frosty frosty westering. He wrote a book called The Big Time is uh, Make the Big Time Where You Are. Or yeah, he was a small college football coach on the West Coast, and one of the things he talked about was was a coin, and we treat everything we do in life as a win or a loss, mm-hmm. right? And uh, that coin really has three sides; it doesn't have two. It's got a third side. You've never seen Jeff Smith Goes to Washington, the classic. I guess not. Uh, it's a classic government film, black and white. Might have showed it to these guys. Uh, no, probably not. Y'all were juniors. Freshmen used to watch it. And got The governor's flipping a coin. He's got to replace the senator who died. And the coin gets stuck on the side of a newspaper. And so he picks a guy who's on the newspaper. I've seen, I've it hits seen the that. third yeah. side, you know. Uh, our secret and our – you know, of any getting outside the win and loss pressure, even though they're going to be there, the anxiety, the stress is going to be there. Right. The secret's to live on the edge, to find out the edge of that coin is where you're, you know, I always tell the kids I'm most dangerous as a coach when winning and losing is something I get free of. We can take a loss on the chin and say, yeah. we're going to get better. We're going to figure out who we are. Uh, now you can't say that in the last game. Right. Because, yeah. uh, you know, the seniors, the, last game. <laughs> the seniors are not going to do that. They're gonna, <laughs> hopefully they're going to use their, the life lessons that yeah. we always talk about. But that's the most freedom I have as a coach is when I get really, really laser focused on the process. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, you have to learn. And this is, this is a, a funny thing, I'm sure, in, in different businesses. But I have to learn the seasonal side of it. we got kids playing football right now. We've got uh, – Kids not playing football right now. We had kids that played AAU in July. Some did, some didn't. But we're, our goal is to be really good at the end of February into March. Yeah. So is there such a thing as doing too much right now? Yeah, there is. Yeah. And in July, you've got to 
you know, you definitely, and it's so healthy for kids to go play other sports or be involved in other things. And Would you say that again to the. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a hard time to do that too. And yeah. this is a, I'm gonna go on a really wild tangent. I mean, how many times a day do you hear, you shouldn't focus on one sport? You know, LeBron didn't, and I, I laugh and say that's funny. LeBron's probably the best athlete in the world. Right. Yeah. He could have played every sport. Are we gonna compare people to LeBron yeah. James? Yeah. But it, there's a there's a healthiness to it. If it's not a sport, it's be involved in another club. Make sure you're going to your church, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's part of coaching. That's seasonal. It's it's give and take. How do you take a breath? Knowing the difference in quitting and resting. Those All are two right. different things. Yeah. Because um, most coaches would quit right there in the middle of February if they could. <laughs> right? And so yeah. you, you have to find a way to rest in the middle of that grind. Okay, on Sunday afternoons, I'm taking a nap. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. If you haven't read that book – it's incredible. You got a reading list tonight. Are you going to John keep Mark, these? So John can... Mark Comer wrote it. He's out of Portland. And then he basically, last time I heard him on a podcast, admitted that he hasn't lived up to it. <laughs> 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 like Mondays were supposed to be a Sabbath, and he didn't yeah. have like five Mondays in a row because he was doing speaking engagements. And he got famous from the book, and you think. Right. And that's why it's a battle. Yeah. Just, yeah. just finding that rest is a big deal. I don't know why that is. There's just always something else for us to do. Yeah. I mean, if I go I go home and sit on my couch and, like, the, my kids are wrecking the house, like, that's happening if I'm on the couch, you know. <laughs> so, like, we find something to do. And then they grow up a little bit, and now they got, they got practice because these Yahoo coaches are on Wednesday night and they can't go to youth. Anyway, they, uh, but there's always something to do, right? They graduate from one thing to another. And if there's nothing, we find something. Yeah. Because there's just, you know, that's the world that we live in. There's always something to do. If not, your wife can probably find something for you. My wife's my wife's good at not doing too much. Okay. So, and that's a hard thing for people to understand, unless they stop and reflect. Yeah. We, we all need to stop sometimes. Yeah. Um, we all need to say no to some things. Uh, everything looks like a good opportunity until you find yourself just so weary. Yeah. Uh, right. And you're just weary, out of gas. Weary, weary. Well, then you're not effective. When you're just exhausted. No. And you're trying to do 10 things and you're not good at any of them because you've worn yourself out. Find out you're drinking nine cups of coffee a day. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you don't know why your left eye is twitching at all times. <laughs> um, why you don't like anybody, why they don't like you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you find out we're not made for this. It, the, the stat that they talk about is 100 years ago, before the Industrial Revolution kicked in, really the second Industrial Revolution, we were sleeping an average of 11 hours a night. Yeah. I haven't even I slept up? all the way through a night since October of 2019. Sleeping 11 hours a night. Now <laughs> humans sleep, you know, seven and a half or something. The light bulb. Do we? <laughs> the light bulb is what changed it. Yeah. Um, well, so you it, used to just come inside. You'd stop working when it got dark. Yeah. You'd come inside and you'd light a candle and let it burn for a few minutes while you got ready and yeah. you go to bed because it's dark. That's what you do. 11 hours of sleep. Tango, you got 11 hours of sleep at one time in your life. In, in medieval times, they now think there's actually two. 11 hours? I've done it before. But it's only after a lock-in the night before. You know that kind of That's thing. That's different. Maybe in high it. school I did. Yeah, Maybe in high school. I, I, I included had... first and second periods. <laughs> <laughs> he slept walk. Yeah. That's with naps. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But that's medieval times, y'all. You can look it up. They, they now think people went to bed and woke up sometimes at midnight. The, the two-sleep thing. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? I work with a guy that does that, and he swears by it. Really? He goes to bed at, at like, 10, and then he wakes up at, like, one thirty or 2 o'clock, and he's up for, like, half an hour, and he typically, like, will read a little bit. 
and then he goes back to bed, and then he gets up at six or seven. Really? Yeah. Man. Yeah, I, I don't is he, know. Is he a minstrel? Is he? Does he do any? He's the CEO of the organization I work for. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it does work. I was curious if he had a middle-aged job. You know. Man, he no, he's uh, he travels all over and does speaking engagements and all kinds of stuff. And hmm. so you know, Mark Hancock, Trail Life USA, hit him up. I wonder if he limits his caffeine intake. He's got to. Yeah. Got to. He would never sleep otherwise. I mean, like, I'll, I'll be forty-five next month, and if I have a cup of coffee after two p.m. Me too. I'm I'm up until midnight. I'm done, yeah. or after even. Now I just do about ten push-ups. Is that the deal? <laughs> okay, I got to wake up for an hour here. Let's do about ten push-ups. That's all I can do before things start popping. Anyway. Oh man. Um, let's just get the blood flowing and wake up. Yeah. Somebody was Pyle messages me today, and he's like, "Hey, next time we're on, we got to do some smelling salts." Head of the episode. I don't think that's the answer. No. For much Smelling of anything. Salts? Smelling salt? Smelling salt. Little things you break, the ammonia things, oh, yeah. you stick them under your nose, like when you've been knocked out or whatever. So you're, so you're going to be up here just all just over the mic. Wide and open. Yeah. That's, I don't want any part of that. That's me third period. So I, I fast in the mornings. Uh, I eat supper usually really late. So I started fasting in the mornings. It's helped me control weight a little mm-hmm. bit. I'll run in the morning. And then I'll usually have a coffee from Lumina, yeah. which is strong. Yeah. It's strong. And I'll have a coffee from Swift and Finch. Or I'll just have another cup of coffee. And in third period, there have been times where I'm teaching and I'm thinking, I'm about to explode. What's wrong with me? Why am I so I haven't eaten any food in ten hours. Yeah. And I've been I'm only on coffee only at that caffeine. point. Man, you brought some chocolate covered espresso oh, raisins yes. or what were they? They were uh Was it raisins? What were they called? No, they were uh coffee grinds. They were coffee beans. Yeah. Chocolate yeah. covered coffee beans from the racetrack gas station. That was horrible. I was I was with you. You gave me a pack <laughs> one time and like I ate one and it was good. So then I had another one and then I just was like subconsciously just eating these things. And I was in the corner <laughs> waiting I by, on the bell. I walked by the classroom and he gave me like the end of the breakfast club kind of fist bump. Yeah. He's in the back of the classroom with some students. He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I hope Danny's okay. Maybe I should have limited him to half a bag. By the way, they don't sell those anymore. There was probably a lawsuit that ended it. killed somebody. Yeah. Yeah. North Dakota teacher dies on racetrack gas station. Right. Chocolate-covered coffee beans. They're so good, though. Man, they were good. Yeah, they were. uh, They were probably too good. I started getting hot. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was that moment where you realize I'm standing up teaching. I'm already, blood's already flowing. I'm. And then all of a sudden you get hot and you think, oh, what's wrong with me? Oh, yeah. I just chugged some coffee. Yeah. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. We we got to find fuel for all the stuff we're trying to do. Because I got, you know, I, I'll do this now and I've been at work all day and I got this <laughs> podcast. And then I'll go home and wrestle the kids for two hours trying to get them to go to sleep. You know, and it just, you got to have the gas to do all this it, stuff. Another Another book for the list here. Uh, that that most people probably didn't read. They give teachers books every year. We're going to do this book study. Right. Luckily, we have such good bosses. You know, we have we work, yeah, we great, work for the best right great now. Folks. Um, uh, even though you left them, but uh, we uh, there's <laughs> a book called Emotional Poverty, and it talked about mm-hmm. you know it didn't to me the title didn't match what I actually got out of this little book. It's a little book. So I'm flipping through it. Yeah, and it talks about your different stages in life. And I'm thinking about you with younger kids. My kids are 17 this week. I'm grandparent age, man, having my own kids still. (laughs) But you think about how how much we unfairly expect out of ourselves. Mm -hmm. When our kids are little, we have them play in, you know, every kind of ball team there is. Uh, Then we expect to be 
excuse me, we expect to be like incredibly involved at church. Yeah. We uh, go over be above and beyond and people can access you now. This is what scares me for pastors. This is what scares me for everybody. Coaches are, we're terrible. People can now access us on our cell phones at all times. Yeah. You know, so I'll get text messages about playing time or text messages about anything. Yeah. Um, and you want people to, to communicate with you, but it creates a bit of a flood of information. Um, and I need to be better about communicating up front, but that is one of the things that when I say empty, there, I'm empty at the end of a season. Yeah. Empty. Yeah. Um, and I want to ask a couple of people when they complain via text, hey, would you have called my house if this was a landline and risked my daughter answering and talk to me face-to-face about this? If you would have, then don't text me, call me. Yeah. You know? If it's really important. Yeah. But we do this to each yeah. other. I do it to people, too. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm I'm the world's – my dad's like this, too. Now, we're connectors. Uh, we like conversations. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll play ping pong. We'll hit it back to you until you're tired of playing. Right. Uh, and I know that. Sometimes people got to tap out. Sometimes people yeah, can't, can't keep it do. going. But uh, I'll say this about my dad is I've noticed that he has basically – and this is what the coaching fraternity does well, especially when guys get a little vulnerable. Uh, when they need help, they'll call him. You know. There you go. Every coach thinks he's brilliant. Right. Yeah. Until he gets deep into coaching and he finds out, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know anything about offense. I don't know anything about defense. I don't know anything about coaching. I don't know anything about kids. Then you start raising your family and you just find yourself exhausted. So then you call a guy like that. I've been lucky to be mentored by him. Oh, and then man. Other people. I had a guy in Madaresville that was, his name was Kevin Bussey. He still teaches at Cass. Solid Christian guy. Didn't coach anything. We had yeah. Kentucky basketball in common, uh, but was solid theo- uh, theologically. Still teaches a Sunday school class. And Kevin kind of mentored me. He didn't realize he was. We went to games and stuff together, and I've told him recently, you mentored me. You were the first guy to say, hey, man, this cell phone and laptop thing is not good for kids. Hey. And I thought he was being old curmudgeon. Right. Uh, being strict. And, and I've limited my kids' intake of a lot of those things. And most parents today have realized this. You have to. Yeah. yeah. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, those parents didn't know. It's when you get tangos off the chain over here now because he wasn't <laughs> properly supervised as a child. Well, well we didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I always explain to people, giving a cell phone to me as a 16-year-old would have been the equivalent of mom ha- giving me a fast internet in my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing. We had to have, like, you know, getting on the internet at Model High School's uh, media center in 1997. Yeah. It took you 30 minutes to get to the the front page. But it was literally the same thing as having probably the nuclear codes. I mean, it was was like, this is a dangerous place to be. And today we kind of, we've normalized it. But you know what? It's, It's still a dangerous place to be. It is. It is, and it's, I mean, I remember getting my, I got my first cell phone when I was 26. So, like, that's kind of where we were in the timeline. It was a brick, but wasn't it? No it, was, it wasn't a brick, but it was, like, the next thing after the brick. I, yeah. I, I was even one of the last people to have a cell phone. You held out, that, man. I, mean, I did for a that long time. That doesn't surprise me, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 18 years ago, by the way. 18 years ago? Something like that. When I was 20, yeah, when I was 26. Holy smokes. Wow. But, uh, yeah, so, I, I mean, my frontal cortex, you know, had finished developing the year before, and then I had a phone, 
and then I still ran up two hundred dollars worth of text message charges one time. <laughs> <laughs> but but it wasn't you know unlimited internet in the palm of my hand, and if it was, I might have been able to handle it by then. Yeah, our twelve year old can't handle that. No. Yeah, our sixteen-year-old can't handle that. can't handle that. People our age are the worst on Facebook, right? I mean, they they go to Facebook and it's like a my gosh, y'all. Facebook, Facebook, and Instacracker. I hadn't heard, man. Insta chat, <laughs> Insta chat. You mailed it out today, Danny. <laughs> you guys go home if you want to do P ninety Xbox. If you don't, we got stuff for you to do here. You know, like it's just a level of reality that we we create another reality. Yeah, and uh, we're battling that at. Uh, there's a, there's a great counselor guy over in the Athens area. Listen, Jefferson, Doug Duke, look him up for all you people who are interested in this. Uh, does some work with FCA. It's how I've gotten to know him. And, and we'll come here and do some mindset stuff, clinic mm-hmm. stuff. But he basically talked about how he's now having to deal with athletes, sometimes big-time college athletes, uh, high school athletes. And, and I think every coach in America went, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Some kids would rather be good on Instagram and get the likes and get the offers than actually be good on the team. Yeah. Like, and that, that's not a, you know, if you could keep that appearance up yeah. and that person yeah. could succeed, um, and adults are the same way. Yeah. We don't actually have to perform as long as everybody thinks we're performing or right. we're cool or we're whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Get off you. If you remember me saying that in class, I haven't done that a lot yet this year. I'll have to show off tomorrow with my instant chat. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok toes. TikTok toes. There, there wasn't a TikTok when I was. Y'all are in a corner making those TikTok toes. <laughs> TikTok toes. With your best friend. I still uh, walk through those all the time. I make sure I walk through them. You got to cover them periodically yeah. just so they know, you know, that Coach Travis is hip to yeah. the vernacular. Yeah. What I love to see is how they dance in those Crocs. You know, it's kind of like it's a, a trend. <laughs> it's a trendy thing. Crocs, Crocs and slides. I'm like, y'all. Man, I mean. I get, I get the comfort level, but. Yeah. I, I don't know if it, those shoes are for like public consumption though. They might have been <laughs> just for around the lake or whatever. Hmm. Wear them in public. Are we know. supposed to be talking about something specific in this deal? We're not. I mean, okay. we're talking. We're doing it. This yeah. is what it is. Okay. It's, there's a there's a million podcasts you can go on and argue Calvinism versus Arminianism or pre versus a millennial, whatever. We're not doing that. I have people, <laughs> I have people on here that I'm interested in talking to, and I'm not going to have to fight with, and that I think the listener may be interested in. That's it. Those are my criteria. Well, that's good because I don't know enough about any of those subjects. I know enough about those now to know I don't know. Um, right. We're to yeah. that point in life, man. We've made it. Oh, right. We, we know how much we don't know. Is that crest in the hill? Is that what that is? I'm afraid so. Yes. But at the same time, it's a nice pet to have because I know, you know, I, I don't know that, and I can. Pay that guy to come over here and take care of it, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Right? I got a guy. He's got a Tango finds me when I, I lost an episode of the show. I recorded an episode with a guy, and then I just couldn't find it. Just gone. I went to put it on social media, disappeared. He had messaged me before, and uh, was like, "Hey, let's get together sometime and talk about your podcast." And then so this, I lose an episode, and he messages me, and he's like, "Hey." I'll be there Monday night. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. See, that, that's, that's – let's go back to teaching and coaching. This is probably the most powerful thing you do well. And Tango? Tango, Hayden's yeah. That's, Tango that's, that's what we call him on air. Yeah. Um, is that your code name? Are there people looking for you? Maybe. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a fake name or Facebook. There you go. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're not created for uh, – that's why Jesus says right after all that in Mark – Love your neighbor as yourself. Somebody you know, hey. or you should know. Yeah. Somebody that's, uh, and then he goes on to 
explained to us that our neighbor is the Samaritan, you know, yeah. but, but like you should, you should live your life as you go and take Jesus with you. And, and I mean, I, my biggest conviction is I'm oftentimes looking over my right or left shoulder going, Hey, you back there. I hope you're following me, Jesus. <laughs> you know, what about that one set some of work footprints to, in the yeah. sand, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many times I read that, saw that posted on somebody's wall. Sometimes I have to do some, some hurrying back yeah, yeah. to get back there. But I don't know. It, it, we're all guilty of that, though. It's not yeah. just you, so I don't feel bad about that. It's you know. But, but that was that's what I loved about you yeah. is you were living your life where you were. You weren't yeah. even when you knew it wasn't your permanent place. You know, I'm 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 supposed to do something. Yeah. We we still talked about our faith. We figured out who yeah. we were. You know. Right. Um, you still took us to Millersville to a team camp one time, stayed in a hotel. You remember doing that? Yeah. Drove that the bus. Fun. Yeah. That was the best. Yeah. Those were, those were fun things. Those are, let me tell you a secret about staying in a hotel room by myself. I was, I went through a time in my life when like, I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. Like I was dirt poor and, uh, and I forget why even, but I got to stay in a hotel one night for free. I never had anything nice. So I was like, <laughs> my mom and dad took care of us. It wasn't like I was like poor, poor. This is on my own. When I was an yeah. adult, I was broke. So I was like, I'm jumping on this bed. And I jumped on the bed. On that trip with and, us? And I do that. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, <laughs> I every time for a long time, I got too old to do it eventually. But like for a while there, I was jumping on the beds in hotels because I was like, I remember where I came from. And let's change this uh, podcast to, to confessions of yeah, Danny Byrne. Right. I also didn't read <laughs> this book studies we had to do in school. I didn't read grit. I don't remember what year that you remember the grit book. You know why I chose that book. You chose that book. You know why? Why? I'd already read it. <laughs> Did it ever get to the point? We kept reading. Like we went through like several chapters and we finally were like, this is dumb. She's never going to get to the point. No, the points. She makes the point on her Ted talk. She just watched the Ted talk. So we could have just watched the Ted talk instead of trying oh, the to cool it. stuff comes out of that book is, is, uh, the word competere, the Latin word for compete, which is strive together. Seahawks have that on the wall. Uh, her study of West Point. That's cool. That part was cool. That was yeah. we, we got that part. You would think it would be like this, just you know, drill sergeant kind of uh, culture. Yeah. It's just this highly supportive culture of of high high achievers. And you're thinking, well, that makes me feel better about the country in which I live, right? <laughs> yeah. You do realize, uh, and I liked it when I read it. Now, yeah. I have it on my phone in random places, but you know, the books like that are. Those are nonfiction books. They're, yeah. The pieces of them are better than the whole sometimes. Well, right. And the, the West Point study, I got something out of that. But I remember, you know, you're supposed to read this and meet with your department and talk about it, whatever, <laughs> which was almost impossible in special ed. Yeah. Because somebody was always sticking a fork in a light socket somewhere. Um, <laughs> but we would do this. We'd read this, read the chapter of the book, and then we'd meet it during lunch one day. And we did that for a few chapters, and it was I'm telling on all y'all's Allison Odom and Tracy Owens, yeah. uh, Julie O'Neill was in there. I, usual uh, suspects, right? No, su no surprise here. So eventually, we're like, "Hey, is anybody asking y'all about this? Like, we're getting together and, <laughs> and reading this book, and we're supposed to talk about it." And Allison was like, "No, nobody's talking to me," and so we just we quit doing it. But, Ain't uh, that the secret <laughs> about books? I have a lot of books I've read half of. I've read a million half books. Yeah, or you know, just the beginning. You don't have to finish a book. You know, you only live once. <laughs> Somebody your age said in class that time, YOLO. I was like, oh, okay. YOLO. Y'all use that as an excuse to be stupid. And I was like, don't you mean YOLO, be smart, because you only live once? Not, you only live once. No, you only live once. Yeah, but I almost <laughs> turned into a thing where, like, we almost, he's got don't die tattooed on his arm. We almost, you only live once, so, like, go for it. And Right. But the attitude became, 
like if you do that, it might not be for much longer. Yeah, you know, like whatever it is. So that's what happened to your generation there, Tango. Yeah, y'all had to y'all had to follow up Yolo with "Don't Die." That's Absolutely, that's the rule. That's the only rule. Don't once, die. Once he started paying for his own insurance, is about the time that that, <laughs> yeah, that sets in. It's amazing. It's amazing what happens when you get a job and you Man. pay your own your own bills, isn't it's, it? Yeah. Yeah. And if you can still be who you want to be inside of that without being discouraged, I think that's pretty good. What's well, the cool? You're like the, a really cool point in life where you you are an adult now. You're still young enough to do some kid stuff, but you're not like dumb enough to do most no. of that stuff anymore. I, I, I've hit that point where I I'm done with the dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like ah, oh, that hurts now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That hurts now. That, right? That's how it goes. I don't that hurts balance now. anymore. Now we know his next tattoo. That hurts that now. That hurts now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Take me, where are we at on time, man? Uh, an hour 10. Hour 10. Wow. Man, I've been nailing that, hadn't I? Yeah. Hour 10 just about every week. Time flies. Don't it? Yeah. Well, what? Uh, we'll wrap it up pretty soon, but what, what kind of beans do you want to spill on Milt Travis? Well, well I'm going to have him on. So he's going to come back and correct a bunch of the things that you said. You already know that. Oh, I haven't so, spilled any beans on okay. him. <laughs> Talking about a guy that coached, you know, same school I'm at for 17 years, 20 years. 17 years, maybe head coach, 20 years. Yeah. Hall of Famer model. Coached, you know, other stops like Buford and uh, assistant North Gwinnett or uh, head coach at Stevens County. Took a winless team at Stevens County to a 18-win team the next year, something like that. Holy smokes. He's got a lot of those stories. That's his That's his most fun in coaching. Yeah. Um, but I know him as Pawpaw now, too. And that's oh, okay. That's some of the more intriguing stuff. Yeah. You know? He calls the kids and says, I got ice cream at the house. You know, the things that, <laughs> that you did. That means didn't, bring them over. Yeah, right? the things you Oh, no, they're, they're old enough to go now. Oh, okay. So they'll, we're, we're somewhere else. They'll get in the car and go. And I'm thinking, Is Noah driving? Oh, he's 17 this week. Oh, no, he stopped. No, he's yeah, not. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got to see him be grandpa. He coaches my son and some of our kids a lot. And yeah. That's a blessing, too. He's old school. So sometimes that's a, he knows that. He's but, still Milt Travis, right? Yeah, yeah. Kids, I think kids, players, man, they know in the end that is definitely what they needed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even when I didn't feel like it, <clears throat> right. I wanted it. So right. spilling the beans on him. He's a guy that, you know, had kids young, went back to school, uh, raised us on First Street in the in First Street or in the village on First Street. Um, but you know, there's there's people that helped helped us grow up, man. Yeah. Helped raise us that that I still come in contact with, and that's a humbling thing too to realize. Mom and Dad had God put people in their lives. Yeah. And there's no other way to explain some things. I know that's Southern to say, God put – he did. That's the way it is. Yeah. yeah. And um, so that's been fascinating to watch and to realize that's happening in our lives too. There's people that, you know, the dad and mom are, you know, I got to say dad and mom. Same reason I get to coach because Kristen Travis. Right. I married a great coach as well. Oh, wife, man, yeah. Is uh, is my dad's story too. So Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Well, we'll jump off right there. We've been on here an hour and ten minutes. Right? It's People awesome. are like, every time somebody comes on, they're like, oh, I can't talk for an hour. I promise you can. Yeah. Something you're passionate about, at least. I got know. nervous, man. I was thinking, we're, we're not talking about enough stuff. And then I realized, you know, how to, you know how to do this. We got it, man. Yeah. I'm a professional, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gone. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next time. Thank you for watching Burnham Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.